Let's get ready to study God's Word. Greetings to one and all. Welcome to another episode of Rightly Divide the Word of Truth. This is Andrew S. Baker, and today's devotional study is entitled, Study for Yourself. Please visit our podcast page at biblestudy.asbzone.com, where you can find all of our previous episodes, key resources, such as the key principles of effective Bible study, and a list of all the platforms that host our podcasts, such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Our key verse for today will be Philippians 2, 12, and 13. But before we get into this study, let's have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the privilege of Bible study. And we pray that as we deliver this short devotional, that it will be to your name's honor and glory, that it will be helpful, and that all will receive a blessing. In Jesus' name, we ask all these things. Amen. Philippians 2, 12, and 13 from the King James says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Our title is Study for Yourself. The reason for this devotional, the inspiration for this devotional, is that we have come to a time in the history of God's people where we are behaving a lot like the world, in that there's not a lot of original thought. There are just There's a lot of people parroting things that other people are saying without a clear understanding of those things. I participate in a number of uh, mailing lists and Uh, Facebook groups, social media groups on religion. And even in Adventist circles, there are lots and lots of people who don't know very basic things about the gospel. And a lot of that is because we don't study anymore. We don't study for ourselves. I see people come to social media and ask questions that you could find in a Bible. And I'm not talking about a paper Bible. I'm talking about a digital Bible. Because if you're on social media asking these questions, you absolutely have access to digital Bibles. And yes, I know there are some places on this planet where you can get social media access as part of your phone service. Um without having broader web access. I understand all of these things. But if people are interested in finding them out, we there are resources. We live at a point on planet Earth where the access to information is better than it has ever been for more people, for a greater percentage of the people on the planet. But if we will not avail ourselves of it, we're not going to benefit from it. Paul is very clear in this letter to the Philippians 
that we have to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. No, he does not mean that we save ourselves, right? Because the next verse says, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. But we need to remember that God does not work against our will. So God is not going to save us despite our unwillingness to be saved. God will certainly labor for us and plead with us and encourage us and seek to influence us so that we will desire to accept his salvation, but he's not forcing us to get saved. So God supplies the power set for salvation, but if we don't want salvation, if we don't desire to work out our salvation, God cannot provide the power for that which we do not want. That's important. We are too quick to relegate our salvation to teachers and preachers and YouTube videos and other things instead of seeking to study for ourselves. There are basic, basic, basic things that we should know and understand about the gospel, about the law, about the word of God, about the mission of Christ. And we don't because we only hear what someone else says. We've only accepted what some preacher has said. We derive our too much of the gospel for too many people is derived from memes and from slogans and from videos and from sermons and from hashtags. And many of us don't know the things that we should know. Second Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now this was Paul's message to Timothy, Timothy being a, a teacher and a preacher. But let's not believe that any part of the gospel is only for preachers and teachers. The only thing that preachers and teachers have over and above a normal Christian believer is more responsibility. The path to heaven is the same path for the teacher as it is for the student. And, all, and throughout our, our Christian experience, we occupy all of those positions. There are times where we are students. There are times, there was a time when the apostles were students, where the apostle Paul was a student of the gospel before he became a teacher of the gospel. We don't all start off as teachers, and we should not all simply remain as students. In Acts 17, 10, and 11, we have a key statement that is made by Luke, the good doctor. There's a conflict over in Thessalonica. And because of that, the brethren send uh, Paul and Silas away. And here's what it says in verse 10 of Acts 17. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night into Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. These, referring to the Bereans, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica. So let's understand why. Verse is going to tell us. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that 
they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. So here are the apostle, uh, the apostle Paul and Silas, apostles Paul and Silas. Here it is that they come from Thessalonica, where they've been preaching until the Jews came and stirred up some trouble. And now they run off to Berea before there can be any persecution. The disciples send them away. And when they get to Berea, they start up the same thing they've been doing before. They go to a synagogue of the Jews and they begin to teach. The Bereans, Luke says, were more noble than the Thessalonians. And they were more noble because not only did they receive the word with all readiness of mind, and it seems like the Thessalonians also received the word with all readiness of mind, but they also searched the scriptures daily whether or not those things were so. They didn't just accept the gospel on the authority of the apostles. They heard it, they gave them an ear to hear, but then they searched so that they understood. Now, it's not always easy to derive instruction from the absence of something, but I want to bear, I want to bring out this point. The Lord has left us no letter to the Bereans. There is no, I'm not saying that Paul never wrote a letter to the Bereans. I'm saying that the Lord has left us no letter on record to the Bereans, to the Berean believers. Okay. The Holy Spirit inspired Luke to say what he just said, the contrast between the Thessalonians and the Bereans. We have no letter to the Bereans left on record, but we have two letters to the Thessalonians left on record. And the interesting thing about the letter to the Thessalonians is that in the first letter, right, in the first letter, when we get to 1 Thessalonians 4, we find that the Thessalonians were discouraged by the fact that believers were dying and Christ hadn't come. And so Paul had to give them that powerful set of instruction in 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, 13 through 17, that basically says, the Lord is not prevent, the Lord will still be able to deal with the dead in Christ. They will be arisen. Those of us who are alive at his second coming will not prevent those who are asleep. Okay. But then when we get to 2 Thessalonians, another letter has to come from Paul. And in this letter, he has to um, help them understand that what he said in the first letter to the Thessalonians did not mean that Jesus was coming in the next few weeks. He's, he's saying, look, the second coming cannot come before the falling away. I've t I told you these things. Right? I told you these things. So when you take these facts that we have in evidence. In Acts 17, Luke points out this contrast between the Bereans and the Thessalonians. In 1 Thessalonians 1, Paul has to send a letter to help them understand, even though he had taught them when he was in person, to help them understand that the death of the believers didn't mean the end of everything. And then in the second letter, he had to say, just because I said that their death didn't mean that the end was final for them, it doesn't mean that he's coming right away either. There needs to be a falling away first. So we get the impression that the Thessalonians didn't study for themselves all that much and needed a lot of help and prodding so that they wouldn't come up with erroneous views. 
We don't have a letter to the Bereans. And while, like I said, it is more difficult to come to conclusions based on the absence of information, the contrast, which is clearly made for us in Acts 17, the contrast allows us to see some significance in that absence of any letter on record to the Bereans. Okay. Why is it important that we understand? Or how can I prove that it's important that we understand? You know, isn't it just good enough to love Jesus and be fine? Well, if you look up the phrase deceive you, you look up the phrase deceive you, or in fact, if you look at the, if you combine the two words man and deceive and you search for all of the verses that have that, there are, there are a number of verses. Jesus says it in the New Testament. Both Matthew and Mark capture this. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. That's Matthew 24, verse 4. And in Mark 13, verse 5, it's rendered similarly. And Jesus answering them began to say, Take heed lest any man deceive you. So Jesus told us, people will attempt to deceive us, and we need to be on guard against that deception. Now, if simply loving Jesus was all that counted, and nothing else was a problem, Jesus would not bother to say, don't be deceived. But it's apparent that being deceived can get you into spiritual trouble. So Jesus had to point that out. In 1 Corinthians 3, Paul says, let no man deceive himself. Ephesians 5, 6, he says, let no man deceive you with vain words. In 2 Thessalonians, yes, Thessalonians, 2 verse 3, he says, let no man deceive you by any means. Talking about the second coming not coming until there's a falling away. In 1 John 3, 7, John writes, little children, let no man deceive you. Paul, in his letter to the Galatians, it's too late for them. He says, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you or deceived you through sorcery? O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? So we can see in Galatians the type of problem that Jesus was warning about us, was warning us about in Matthew 24, verse 4. Now in Revelation 2, in verse 2, Christ in his messages to the churches says something interesting. And I quote, Revelation 2, 2, I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear with them that are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles, and are not, and hast found them liars. That's an interesting passage. What does it mean? What is Christ saying here? We, ha- we need to have respect for people. Don't take any of these statements to mean that we don't have respect for people. We don't have respect for those in religious authority. Or, or any authority. We should have respect for people based on the role that they have. Um, and we should even have respect for people even then when they're not being respectable. There's a level of respect that we still need to maintain to the, the office at the very least. But even with that respect, we ought not to simply accept them on the strength of the title or the role or the responsibility or the education or the whatever. 
An appeal to authority, unless it is God's authority, directly from his word, not an interpretation of God's authority. An appeal to authority needs to be vetted. And so Christ is saying here, I know thy works, speaking to a church, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them that are evil, and thou hast tried them, which say they are apostles, and are not, and has found them liars. We need to evaluate everything against the word of God and see that it is truth. Many people these days are calling themselves evangelist whosoever and apostle that guy and evangelist that girl. Their teachings, their behavior, their lifestyle needs to be evaluated against the word of God. And if it is found false, then you will have found them to be liars. We obey things because it is in the word of God. And we obey things because we understand what the word of God says. Don't just take it. Don't allow people to twist the word of God before you. And because they appear to have a decent command of, of the scripture, you just run along with it. We should know for ourselves what is truth. Does that mean that we're all going to have a super scholarly understanding of the word of God? Not on day one. Not on day one. There's always a place for uh, teachers and preachers. But we should not stay as as babes in the word of God. We should not always be on the milk of the word. We need to move up to the meat of the word. And the only way that can happen is that we study for ourselves, that we study using right principles. First Thessalonians 5, verses 20 and 21, Paul says, Despise not prophesyings. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. We all need to be like the Bereans. We need to have an air that is open and ready to hear the word of God from folks who are reputable or at least give them a chance the first time you meet them and might not have a, a good sense of, of whether they're reputable or not. But when we have heard with all readiness of mind, we need to follow that with searching the scriptures daily to make sure that what we're hearing matches what is in the word of God. And if you don't understand what is in the word of God, then learn how to understand the word of God. A lot of folks come asking for answers. Hey, what does this mean? What does this passage mean? What does this verse mean? What does this text mean? And that's good because when you need answers, you know, it's, it's good to be able to come to someone and ask. But it's important that they understand how that was there because they can come and say, what does this mean? And I can say, it means this. And they'll be like, okay. And they leave. And it's like, no, 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 no. It's not okay. Here's why it means that. And here's how you need to understand that. Okay. It's important that we understand why the scriptures say what they're saying and how those conclusions are reached so that it can be applied later. This is why we have the key principles of effective Bible study, so that people are equipped with the ability to understand how God has set up the Bible for us to understand things and to be able to recognize when instruction has been presented to you but doesn't match the way the Word of God is interpreted, right? We need to be able to, to know that. 
It shouldn't be that the the eloquence of a person is what dictates whether or not you believe what they're saying about the Bible or anything for that matter, but especially not the Bible. Right? Eloquence and and command of the language and presence and charisma, those have nothing to do with whether or not something is truth or not. And in fact, the more heavily those other things are relied on, the the less likely it's truth that's being uttered. I'm not saying that God's ministers of the gospel are going to be dull and boring. I'm saying that the power of the gospel is not charisma. The power of the gospel is something different entirely. So when what is causing you to, to be interested in the word of God is its entertainment value, charisma, eloquence, that's not proof that the message is of God. Okay? That's not proof that the message is of God. And we need to understand the Word of God. We have to study for ourselves. Because we're going to have to stand by ourselves. We're going to come to a place in our Christian experience where we're not going to be able to turn to someone and say, what does that verse mean? We're going to have to understand. We're going to be brought into places and positions where we're going to have to give an account for what we believe. And if we don't know how to explain what we believe, that's going to be a problem. And we have to avoid deception because Jesus told us, take heed that no man deceive you. Paul reiterates, let no man deceive you by any means. John also emphasizes, let no man deceive you. I pray that we will learn to study for ourselves. We'll take the opportunity to spend time in God's word understanding why we believe what we believe and how to support the things we believe from the word of God. There are many people who have accepted the right things and don't know why and can't explain them and can't prove them or prove them erroneously. They have the right answer, but the mechanism by which they got that answer is not biblical. And they don't understand how that hinders the work of the gospel when someone who may be more intelligent in the writings of the scripture, even if that person does not yet have a relationship with Christ, asks them why they believe something and the answer they give turns that person off because it shows that person that they don't have an understanding of the scripture. We need to study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Let's close with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercy and goodness and love. We pray, Lord, that you'll help us to take time daily, just as we take time to eat daily, that we'll take time to study your word daily and understand what we believe, why we believe it, and how it's properly supported from the scriptures so that we will not be deceived and distracted and diverted from your kingdom. Please bless us, we pray, and help us to be true and faithful to you. We pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. Please feel free to contact us via email at biblequestions at asbzone.com. Whether you have questions, comments, or concerns, we look forward to hearing from you. If you're finding this channel to be a blessing, Please take the time to share our page with others and always keep our ministry in your prayers. 
Until we meet again next time, may God richly bless you as you prayerfully study His Word. Thank you.